0: Hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Dan K. Show podcast, a very special edition of the Dan K. Show podcast being released on Christmas Eve. And so we decided to take a little bit of a turn away from our usual coverage to bring you the 12 Days of Dankness, our 12 best moments or most memorable moments from the season. But before we get into that, I need to introduce the namesake. Of the 12 days of dankness the man who makes it all possible because his name is Dan K. It's Dan K. Dan, welcome. I'm
1: going to be honest with you, Lucas. I'm a little disappointed you were introing me there. I thought it was going to be Santa Claus making an appearance, but obviously, this time of year is busy for the big guy. I know he's getting all the gifts ready for me, for you, for all the kids around the world. And We got some gifts for the folks at home today, Lucas, I think. We've got ourselves an awesome show ahead. It's Christmas Eve. We hope you're sitting around, hanging out with your families, recapping that first half of what was an eventful, crazy, and one-of-a-kind 2020-2021 season offset here. And we're going to talk about it all, the 12 Days of Dankness, like Lucas said, the 12 storylines we think stood out the most for us. And now we're going to recap Florida and Chicago showcases. We got a chance to go to Chi-Town. No, we got more of a windburn out there than a sunburn. But Florida was cooking up as well with hockey, USPHL talent around the country, ready to go. But now we get ready to go with this podcast the way we do with every podcast. Let's get started, Lucas. Your beer review for this week for the hockey parents around the globe.
0: Well, I think this beer review um, is going to be more of a generic review because it's a review of a local brewery. And now more than ever, it is so important to support a local brewery that you enjoy, because as the weather gets colder, outdoor dining gets more and more difficult. We have to make sure these businesses are okay. These small businesses are the backbone of our communities When you spend a dollar at a small business, almost 92 cents of that dollar gets recycled back into the local community through purchasing of supplies and other initiatives. So it's more important than ever that the dollar that you spend stays in your local community. And to that end, Dan had procured for me a 12 days of Christmas beer advent calendar from a brewery local to both of us. Oyster Creek Brewing in Waretown, New Jersey. So hockey parents, if you come down to, say, the Jersey Shore Whalers, the Philadelphia Hockey Club, this is a great opportunity to go out to Oyster Creek, check out some of these beers. And the one thing that I love about this is it's a variety pack. And a variety pack is the best way to experience a new brewery because you get to try a little bit of everything. And I've liked the variety of beers that have been in there. They're out here making double IPAs, habanero IPAs, Ah, uh, wheat beers with cranberries. We just had one. Their coffee stout gets more and more incredible every year. But I want to talk about the beer we just had, which is the cranberry wheat beer. And cranberry is not necessarily a beer or a flavor you, you know, think of with beer. But if you see a cranberry beer, go and get it because the cranberry flavor, that like dry tartness, works so so well with a beer and Oyster Creek absolutely hit this one on the head by taking their already good wheat beer and adding some cranberry to it. It was super enjoyable.
1: Yeah. And I love the folks at Oyster Creek Brewing, Lucas. I- I'd love them to make a Dan K. Show beer here. You know what I mean? You got to wear Tony in, hosting the podcast. You got a guy from man down the road, but we love supporting local business. And I like to hit Oyster Creek up on a Sunday, you know, get myself ready for the football games with a few of the pops from Oyster Creek. Come back and and the cranberry hefeweizen, Lucas, which originally launched as a blueberry hefeweizen, all local New Jersey flavors. There, it is always my favorite, always my hit. That is my go-to from Oyster Creek. But what's your score here on this one?
0: Well, I think the fact that it uses New Jersey flavors celebrates the state that it's from. They put together this this pack, which is a phenomenal idea. The beer advent calendar is great for the brewery because they get to you know, get rid of some extra stock and it's great for us as well. I give the idea a perfect 10 out of 10. This beer, I mean, I give it an 8-1. I, I'm notoriously ooh, ooh, ooh. difficult on these, these beer reviews, but I think this is a very approachable beer in a style that not many people have given a shot.
1: And I give the advent calendar a 10. You know yeah. what I mean? The idea of having a beer advent calendar where you can take a box of 12 home not know what it's going to be the best was i I picked the 12 out for you lucas there to try to give it a little variety they had 17 options
0: there i didn't know
1: that i yeah so i picked them out but then they take it into the back room of the brewery and they surprise you with the way it comes out so even the gift giver doesn't know the order the beers will come out
0: very very interesting I, i i love that even more now it's all a surprise. You know what I mean? Normally
1: my gifts are a surprise cuz I'm not the one buying them for people, but in this case I was genuinely surprised by the gift. It's not like dad's on Christmas morning, right, where the kids are opening the gifts and the dads are just as, as surprised as the moms are at home when they when they're opening those gifts sometimes, which tends to be the case.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you you sort of know, but yeah, I think we've had the the coffee stout which was really really good. I mean, we've been drinking that coffee stout since that brewery opened, and every time I go it just continues to get better and better.
1: Absolutely love it. For me, I went to Duncan, you know what I mean? And and I I love Duncan in all cases, but I, I was I was going around to, I was going around looking for my next review. And I always love when Duncan has kind of their seasonal flavors. And this year they came up with caramel coffee cake, which I was excited to try. I was expecting maybe some cinnamon in there, maybe some brown sugar. I gotta tell you. It tastes just kind of like a normal Dunkin' coffee. I know I don't put sugar in my coffee. So so what it means is there's probably a little less sugar in this bean here, in this roast. I definitely, if you are someone who takes your coffee with sugar, I'd recommend it. I'd make sure you put it in there. Probably bring out these flavor notes a little bit more. I'm getting myself more like the normal caramel coffee, which I love the caramel coffee from Dunkin', but not really setting itself apart. From the caramel here, I give it a a 6.8. I think it's a drinkable coffee, definitely crushable. This is the kind of pot of coffee I could easily run through a whole pot of it. It's definitely not not abrasive, not difficult to drink. But when you call it caramel coffee cake, I expect – I mean, the picture on the bag, folks, is just a giant chunk of coffee cake falling into a mug, which is exactly how I eat my coffee cake. I just basically plop it in there and then fish it out for the rest of the day. But that is – just a little not enough cake lucas
0: well i mean i think if you're going for that flavor because i would never go for a coffee cake flavored coffee so i feel like if you're going for the flavor you got to go you got to go all in on the flavor
1: yeah and i'm somebody who i'm okay with something being too sweet if i'm doing a, a review on it or if i'm if i know it's coming right i'll go and i'll get the s'mores latte from a place because i'm expecting there's gonna be a ton of mocha in there a ton of chocolate it's going to be a mess and I'm going, to, I'm going to hate myself for the next 24 hours, but it'll be delicious in the moment. And like, I'm okay with that if I know it's coming. I don't want to be surprised by it, but in this case, I was surprised the opposite direction. I just didn't feel like it got there for me, sweetness wise.
0: Interesting. Well, on that regard, then I may have to try it if it's not too sweet.
1: You try it out. You might like this. This might be a Lucas Jones approved beer, uh, beer, coffee. I hope it's not beer. I, I got <laughs> to keep working here. But with that, we look now to the 12 days of Dankmas, and, and Lucas, I, it's been a one-of-a-kind year. That's number one, right? And, and we, we are going to go through our 12 storylines, our 12 topics that we think really ring true going into the holiday season, things we're thankful for, things we're working on, places we want this show to go. Number one, the first day of Dankmas, the challenges that were faced by the Dan K show and the rest of the league on a day in and day out basis. And at least in terms of what we do here, Lucas, the way that the Dan K show was able to overcome it. And I know a lot of that falls on our tech guy, our head tech director. And I always, his name always escapes me. Lucas, who is that? And can you talk to the folks at home a little bit about what the Dan K show did to survive 2020?
0: Well, the, the head tech director of the show is, (laughs) is none other than myself. Uh, you know, that was why I came onto the show in the first place with my, my podcasting and audio experience. And I mean, man, with well, the, Dan K show built a reputation around getting the inside scoop, right. Talking to players with our star of the game awards, talking to coaches with our bench interviews from last season, bringing other broadcasters into the fold. And we couldn't do any of that, you know, the, with the guidelines of social distancing and, and making sure that everybody stayed safe. We had to adapt on the fly as did you know, it feels like the rest of the country. And we were able to do that. We we increased our wireless equipment. We were able to now do a socially distanced star of the game interview to make sure that the players on the ice still get the, the respect. They still get the exposure that they've earned through their play out there on the ice. We started the audio podcast. We you know said, well, if we can't get bench interviews from coaches as we normally would, let's get these coaches on a podcast. And so we did. And every week, uh, with a few exceptions, you're treated to an inside perspective from a coach or personality from around the game of hockey, um, and I, I think it's just great that you know we've been able to continue to do what we do and what we love to do—the reason why we do the show—and ju- now adapted to this this new world we're living in.
1: Yeah, I mean, even facing challenges like the like the speaking voice when you're trying to talk through a uh, through a mask. I mean, it's been something that I've been dealing with. I mean, I. I I would call myself the the rock star version of a hockey broadcaster in the way that I broadcast the game and a lot of it is based on gravel and and kind of output of voice and trying to get volume out of it and trying to do that through a mask into a microphone no matter what it, you don't realize Lucas always asked if I want if I want the audio turned up in my ear and that's great you can go as high as it wants but as, as a human being you always want to hear your actual voice in some way and you don't always catch that you, you sometimes are only getting it through the mic into that playback in your ear and when that happens you tend to try to talk louder which is not the smart way to handle it but it's how Dan Kay handles it right it's kind of ripping a band-aid off and it's something that Lucas you and I both have dealt with this year is just trying to vocal care and keeping it it's it's a lot different calling eight games in a row now than it was in past years I mean it's always a difficult task but this year has definitely been one of a kind and we we move the number two and we speak of one of a kind i, I think as, as the self-proclaimed greatest transitioner of all time i transitioned to the hub city announcement by the usphl and and deciding that tampa would serve as a hub for the ncdc to continue its games for the premier and elite levels to get some games in as well and for players to be properly handled and distanced and safe to conclude a season unlike any other i mean how excited were you lucas when you found out the news
0: incredibly excited uh you know when when the nhl um, came with the idea you know to to transition everything and soon basketball and baseball did as well it's such a cool environment right it takes something that is one of a kind in a negative way, this this 2020, this year, unlike any of us have experienced and turns it into a a one-of-a-kind positive where now the conversation shifts and it it makes people feel proud. It makes people feel happy. And and it it makes us happy to be able to say, Hey, look, the league is making sure these kids can play games, making sure that they're prepared, making sure they're doing the thing that they want to do. And it's, it's going to be such a cool experience for players who are, are bought in 110%. They're ready to do whatever they need to do to make sure the hub goes off without a hitch. Uh, so it's it's great initiative by the USPHL, and we are so excited to be a part of it. And the biggest sell
1: for me with all this is not just what happens on the ice, because every parent, every, every former player, every guy who's played this game at some level, girl who's played this game at this level as well, You know that 99% of it, when you're done playing, when it's all over, when your career's over and you're in the working world or wherever you end up, you think back on the moments that were around the game, right? I think more about some of the pranks we pulled in each other playing college baseball and do about the games that happened on the field when me and my buddies and former teammates go back and reminisce, right? And this is going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity for these young athletes. It's going to be On top of the hockey going on, on top of the player development, on top of the visibility to scouts from around the world and the country, you're also going to have these these basketball games going on around the hotel building, right? You're going to have golf going on. You're going to have, there's going to be so much more than just the hockey, right? Lucas, I know you and I, when we get down there, our plans to kind of have some some awesome video game stuff going on with the guys and, and some of the guys can watch how horrible I am at call of duty and other shooting games where I, I treat my one life as if it, if it, as if it were my own Lucas and I, and I hide and I never move and you have to come find me to take me out. And and that <laughs> is, that's, that's some of the stuff I'm looking forward to when it comes to the hub.
0: Yeah. I think you and I might have to run a little bit of a, a war zone training camp before we, uh, before we get down there, but <laughs> You know, uh, talking to the commissioners, you know, they're just excited. You know, they they know that, you know, these kids need stuff that's not hockey, right? It's You want to make sure that there's stuff to do, fun things to do, um, and they, they're going to be taking that in stride.
1: Now we go to number three, and, you know, we talk about cool announcements. We talk about facing challenges. I mean, this combines both of them. And for us, number one, it's the Elmira Jr. Enforcers and owner Tim Colpeen the whole group there in Elmira and the partnerships with other teams that we've been able to come to this year to ensure that we can still cover content amongst budgeting and amongst, you know, with less people in the seats with less games being played with all the work that has to go into keeping people safe and healthy. It, you know, that there's not always the same funding around, right. For, for things like the Dan Kay show and teams that really stood up and specifically the Elmira junior enforcers really stood up to get us out to events and get us covering games. And and we, I mean, that's something I know for sure. I'm super thankful for.
0: Yeah. I mean the, the work that they've done to make sure on, you know, on their end that their players and, and the players of surrounding teams get a chance to play is, is incredible. We were so happy when, you know, they reached out to us and we were able to work something out and now we've done it twice. We're looking forward to continuing to working with them. And I think that's something we'd like to do more, getting a chance to work with teams specifically. And and I feel like there's some kind of, you know, sometimes it feels like there's a disconnect, but there isn't. You know, if you reach out to the Dan K show, if you've got an event, whether it's one game, a couple of games, you're bringing in a couple of teams to play in a weekend. That is something that we love to do. We, you know, take pictures, we do interviews, we go do the game broadcasts. We get to watch the more teams we get to watch in person, then. I feel like the better it makes us as analysts for the league, but the more fun the season is.
1: Hundred percent, and I mean from our point of view, our goal is to get these guys seen by every scout. They can be seen by every potential college, have every potential opportunity opened up for them, and you know, us getting out the games and covering it is the number one way it gets done. It's it's when our impressions, our engagement, our following grows, and it's it's something that we've heard from a lot of collegiate coaches around the country that is super helpful when we're out covering games and we thank the Elmira junior enforcers and every team that partnered with us this past year. Number four partnerships, Lucas, how about the elite junior profiles uh, elite a proud partner of the Dan K show. And, you know, just a group that champions the same beliefs we have get every player, every possible opportunity they can have to achieve their goals and dreams.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the work that they do over there is so in line with what the the new way is, right? It's not a pure reliance on one way or the other with this, you know, everything is data that people seem to be locked in on now versus the old way of scouting. It's such a great combination, a real melding of the two, and it's a centralized place to be able to go and and check out some of the best players out there and you know especially now that that service can be absolutely invaluable for you know scouts for coaches um, and what they've been able to do you know working with us as well has just been so great they're they're great people over there always eager to help always eager to improve um, and just a ton of fun to work with
1: go to elitejrprofiles.com and make your account today number 5 i mean we got to talk about us a little bit right how about the holiday Follow challenge, hashtag holiday follow challenge. And not just the challenge itself, not all you incredible folks are out there voting, but the fact that in the first 48 hours of the holiday follow challenge, we outvoted the entire competition last season. That's ridiculous.
0: In a year where everything is down across the board, for industries, for major sports, the Dan K shows up. We mm-hmm. are in a, in a year where everything else is down. The Dan K show has, is projected to break every single number that we've ever had and not just projected, we actually did it. And we broke a month's worth of impressions and views and engagements in two days. Two days. And I think that says something about the buy-in from the fans. I think it says something about the buy-in from the players and I think it's it's almost a referendum on, you know, is what the Dan K show is doing our brand of uh, brand of commentary, brand of coverage, this personality style coverage where the focus is on the players. Is it working? Uh, the numbers say yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, across the board, they say yes, and and that's something where we're being asked all the time to kind of branch out into new things, and and for us right now, it's the future is interesting, right? It's, it's an interesting future that the Dan K show finds itself in and we're just excited events like the holiday follow challenge. And, you know, it, it's something that we had to, we had to invest in ourselves, right? Lucas to get this holiday follow challenge done and it's something we continue to invest in ourselves in. And it, it's, it's a really awesome opportunity for teams around the country to show us and show the world who has the best fan base. And and that's great for future player recruitment. It's great for, current player visibility it's an awesome opportunity for communities to come together look at the wooster oilers sitting in second place right now this is a team that didn't exist last year this is a team that had to have a community rise up come together and rebuild them from the bootstraps man and and this is an opportunity that we get to really highlight not just the players but the fan bases the towns these small areas, you look at the Wisconsin Rapids River Kings, you go into that town, man, you go into that building and we see that sign out front welcoming the Dan K show. There is nothing better than getting to the, the real portions of the country, right, where people are just in love with this game, in love with hockey. And, and we're just happy to share it with them and to help these players. Once we get out to these events, whoever wins the holiday follow challenge and help them be seen by every every scout possible, everybody.
0: Yeah, that's the goal. Right, 110% from the Dan K Show's pilot episode to now, the goal is always visibility and exposure for the players on the ice.
1: Number six, hmm. exposure, visibility. We got to put our eyes on players earlier this year, Lucas, and that's because we got invited to the summer events for the USPHL, both in New Hampshire and Michigan, and boy, were those two events great. Yeah, that
0: was That was so incredible because, you know, it was our first time coming out to these summer events. It was our first time getting to cover the full slate of summer events this year. And it allows us to, to basically do our jobs better, Dan, you know, we're as the national broadcasters, as analysts for the USPHL, the more teams we see the better. And we got to see a lot of players, a lot of potential talent, talk to a bunch of coaches, talk to a bunch of owners, find out how the recruiting was going. And that clues us in to the beginning of the season. And that just makes that September content so much better. Instead of September being a hit the ground running moment, that summer allows us to prepare, to see people, to to get the inside scoop. Then when September comes, we are already ready to deliver you the best content we possibly can. And again, Dan, the numbers show that it worked. The September was up above other Septembers that we've had up across the board. So the summer showcases directly translate into better content for parents, players, and coaches.
1: Yeah, and for me, I, I mean, those summer showcases, which what's so great is it's more than just what ends up on the NCDC roster, right? And I don't care where you end up. I am here. I know you are here. This show exists for the player, right? And, and this, is, this is a show that is made to help these players and their families navigate the world of junior hockey. Not just their organization, not just their town, not just their day to day, but the entire world of junior hockey and get them to the next level in the best way possible to benefit them, to get them seen by the eyes that might be their next place to play. That's what we're here for. That's what we're doing. And those summer events were an awesome way to kick off this campaign. Number seven. You know, the summer events were great. And during the summer events, we met some new faces from some new USPHL divisions. We are so excited about the Pacific and Mountain, for sure, out there west side for the USPHL.
0: Yeah, we were very excited to hear about new teams coming into the league, as we always are. From the Pacific and Mountain divisions, some new teams, some teams from other leagues coming in into the USPHL fold. And what a fun ride it's been so far. The Mountain Division, we got to finally see, you know, the Northern Colorado Eagles in action in person this weekend. Uh, You know, the Mountain Division was able to get out and play some other teams. The Pacific Division as well has been firing on all cylinders out there. When you talk about maximum exposure for players, having a footprint across the entire country is the most important thing. It's why we talk about hockey in your backyard. It's why we talk about USPHL Nation that there is a place to play for you wherever you are. There is a team local to you wherever you are. And not just that, these teams have their affiliates. These coaches work together. If a player is a better fit on another team, well, coaches reach out and they talk about that stuff and they make sure that the development of the player is priority number one. And I think these Mountain and Pacific teams, Dan, not only are they focused on developing players, not only are they focused on getting those players exposure, but there's some really good hockey and it's really brought the level of competition in the USPHL to an all-time high.
1: Yeah. And in the most respectful way possible, I think the, the, the mountain division squads that made it out, Pueblo and Northern Colorado, we're kind of talking about a little better than you thought we were, huh? And, and that's kind of where it stands. I I think, I think Pueblo and Northern Colorado, you're going to, at this point, at least on my side of it, I would say they're both top 10 teams in this in the Dan Show power rankings coming up, coming up in January, it's a lot to go through before we officially put them there. But I could see these teams moving up towards the top. I mean, you had Pueblo shut out the Metro Jets. This is a team that I questioned their defense all season so far. I've questioned the Pueblo defense. And they go out there and they shut out a team we had ranked number one in the nation, a team coming off a 5-3 victory against the Wisconsin Rapids River Kings team with Jordan Steer, one of the best defensemen to ever play in the USPHL Premier. So it's, it's interesting to see how the rest of this season will play out. And I really hope we can get out there at some point and, and cover some, some of these squads, you know, once it, once it's safe and and we're able to get out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, we, we've been looking at the teams, but one of the things we're even more excited about is the fan bases, you know, that, that come with these teams, getting to meet, you know, a whole bunch of new hockey families, getting to, you know, talk with and chat with. And, you know, Dan, I think that's one of the things too, that, you know, we we kind of missed this year, uh, which yeah. is just uh, I was talking with a friend of mine. He said, I miss the casual interaction. There's no more casual interaction. Everything has to be very formal and the casual interactions with, you know, parents in the rinks at the lobby, even sometimes we end up staying at the same hotel as some hockey parents and we, you know, end up sitting in the lobby and, and chatting about the teams and about the league. And we are so excited to get out there and have those conversations uh, you know, this year, hopefully, but next year, definitely.
1: 100%. I can't wait, man. Starting to get vaccines out into the world, starting to get people vaccinated. P- things are getting a little safer day by day. As long as everyone works together, we have to continue through it, right? There's no, there's no finish line just yet that we're seeing. There's no light at the end of the tunnel just yet, but we're at least starting to make some big time moves for it. really excited for where things are going. Number eight, speaking of the future... Speaking about building towards it, Lucas, I know this one was on your list. How about the success of the young teams throughout the USPHL?
0: It's been great to watch. You know, one of the things about this year has been these teams that are bringing in all this young talent. There are so many O 3s and O 4s playing in the USPHL right now. You know, the Tampa Bay Juniors a lot of Oh three Oh fours. You've got teams like the Rockets, which are always pulling kids from their 16 and 18 U teams to play on the elite and promote them through the system. The Islanders hockey club, the junior Bruins, and even in the premier division, Dan, I mean, a lot of these teams are really relying on some of this young, young talent to kind of bolster their rosters. And it's always something that we love to see uh, because the, the youth is the future. Right. And, and when you've got these young players, they can be developed in the system and in a league based around development, having these ultra talented teams with a bunch of O2s, O3s, O4s on them is a really, really good look. And it should make people really confident about the structure of the USPHL.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're doing it right. It's cradle to college. If you're going to, you're going to use that mantra. If you're going to push that mantra, you better do it. And they do it. They do it better than anybody. It, it's, it's not even close. There's not a close second in this anymore. It is a model that goes from tier two through tier three and there's no forgetting about the tier three side of it, right? Like so many times when you deal with these types of models, it's, it's so hard for everyone to get a fair shake. Well, it's it's just not the case here. And it's amazing because it's the largest geographical footprint of any league anywhere. It's nationwide. It's Anaheim and San Diego up to Maine down to Tampa Out to Oregon, and nobody gets left off. Nobody's chasing the bus from behind, trying to wonder how to get into school. You know, it is it is a hundred percent buy-in. It is folks working together nationwide, and it's it's awesome to watch. And anybody in the world uh, who thinks that it's an easy task to operate something of this size is outside their mind. And it's amazing to see the way it runs, the way it works, and. It has been a huge success story. And I know, Lucas, you and I right now are working on some numbers from, from the collegiate levels to really show the success of the league and, and, and all the work it's been doing.
0: You can't argue with facts, and you can't argue with data. And that's. And I try our... to. But... <laughs> <laughs> you, and you do a very good job. I will give you a lot of credit. When the, when the data of 2 plus 2 is, equals 4 is in your face, you make a very compelling argument that it indeed equals five sometimes and it keeps me on my toes I will give you that um, but yeah the the data doesn't lie right and and one of the things that can be done I can tell you as, as someone who is a math tutor and has spe- had, took you know a bunch of poly science statistics courses is that yes of course filtering certain bits of data in and out can give an incomplete picture But when you get rid of those filters and you lay the numbers out there, plain as day for everyone, those are the facts that, you know, are really the most important.
1: 100%. And talk about facts that are really important. Number nine on our 12 days of Dank Miss is one really close to both of our hearts. And, and it was the Dan K show presents hockey is for everyone. And that is a fact. And that is a fact that I, I think we always need to be educating people on sadly even in 2020, even going into 2021 and talking with guys like Aaron Atwell, like Larry Agadoki, like Alex Grove. I mean, what an opportunity for us, Lucas, Jordan Shannon, to hear the stories and tales of young veteran players of color and what they went through at the junior hockey level, the youth hockey level, all the way through college. And for some, the professional level of the game. And being able to share in that and share their stories and talk through just why it's so important that hockey continue to diversify who's able to play this game, continue to make the game itself accessible to everybody. And that is something that I know we champion here with the Dan K show. And and it's been awesome to really watch folks speak out in this past year uh, for the right cause.
0: It is very difficult, and sometimes uh, it's very difficult to to see the types of things that that those players were seeing because you know we don't experience we don't experience that flat out. You know, Dan. I mean, you you and I have have certainly not experienced the types of things that those players and players of color all around the country have experienced, and it is it's easy to lose sight of that until you talk to them and you hear about it and hear from them, you know, that a lot of their playing experiences were very, very positive, but those negative experiences are there. They do exist. And it's, you know, a great conversation to, to listen to. It's a great conversation to, to kind of review because it is important that we are always aware that regardless of what those difficulties are, People experience things differently. People have different experiences than we do. And we can't just assume that everyone is dealing with the same problems that we are dealing with. And that's why we have to talk to them. We have to, you know, kind of dive in and and learn about these things. And I use the word learn because that's what it is. It's we don't face the same, we didn't face the same difficulties they do. They had their own unique experiences. And it was, it was really, really awesome to to get to talk to them and and continue to talk to them and continue to have these conversations.
1: Yeah. And and like I said, while we were taping the podcast, talking to folks afterwards, if you're uncomfortable at any, any point listening to that conversation or conversations like it, you're, you need to be listening to it. And you need to be, so much in this life that we live in now, whether we're talking to the young players at home, the parents of those players, the coaches, anybody, uh, we can we can make our social media timeline right it can reflect whatever we believe in whatever we want we don't challenge ourselves enough to put ourselves in other people's shoes and empathy is something and and understanding is something that's going by the wayside because we just want to understand ourselves we want to know what we think we want to know what we believe but for someone in our shoes or someone from from our walk of life to Look at these players that we spoke to on Hockey is for Everyone or, or look at our female hockey players like Tina Sorallo, a coach with the Metro Jets. We talked about her background in hockey and kind of some limits she had on playing experiences at the time. And you look at folks in that walk of the game and trying to tell them that they're they don't have the issues they say they have is like a Hawaiian telling an Alaskan that snow is not an issue. Yeah, it's not in Hawaii right? It doesn't, it's never going to snow there. You're never going to have a problem. You don't need a snow plow. But if a Hawaiian was making decisions for Alaskans, there'd be a lot of snow on the roads. No one would get anywhere. And it'd be a terrible life to live in Alaska. And and as much as Lucas thinks Alaska to to add a joke in here is balmy and sunny all year <laughs> around. there's a ton of snow up there. And it, and it's, that's, that's my thing. It's, I really, every time we bring this up, every time we talk about it, I really Want our players out there, our coaches that listen to us, our parents that listen to us, challenge yourself. You know, look into others' experiences. Yeah, you might, everything might be honky-dory on your side of the fence, but we don't know what our neighbors are going through. And it's, especially this year more than ever, there's really been a a loss of contact between folks that differ from who we are. We've, We've all put ourselves in our bubbles. We've all kept ourselves safe medically, which is good but we also still have things like zoom. We have phones, we have, we have email, we have the internet and we can access anything we want at any time at our fingertips. And that's something I really, really strongly advise you all to do test yourselves, get out there, see other walks of life. And if you haven't already, please go back and watch the Dan Co- The Dan K show presents hockey is for everyone still tagged up there and pinned at the top of our Twitter page at the underscore Dan K show. Number 10, this kind of goes along with, with everyone we work with, and it's the great people we've worked with this year. One of the people I have to champion right now, and I guarantee you he'd be mad that I was doing it and even bringing it up Jason McCrimmon, head coach of the Motor City Hockey Club. Lucas, you and I got a chance to bump into him in Chicago. We talked to him for a brief time, never enough time with him. But I mean, the stuff he's doing, Detroit Ice Dreams, working with the Detroit Red Wings making hockey equipment and, and and learning the game of hockey accessible to kids in inner city Detroit and around the suburban area of Detroit. On top of that, providing turkeys to families in need, no questions asked, come on out, get a turkey, a side of the road. He was there for hours and hours leading up to Thanksgiving, ensuring families had something to eat when they got home. He's got more coming up now with new years, providing clothing to families in need. It, It just, The guy never stops. The guy never sleeps. And the stuff he's doing, not just for the people of Detroit, but for the future of the game of hockey and a cause we champion hockey is for everyone. I mean, this is a guy who needs a spotlight put on him every day, even though he would try to turn it away.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, talk about, you want to talk about making an impact. How about all of that stuff you just talked about? I mean, to, to not only be a hockey coach ensuring that the players get the development, but to be active in the community in in the ways that he is and to the extent that he is and with the dedication that he is, you know, his, his passion is the community and his passion is his players. You, You should hear the way he talks about some of, some of the skaters, not just the ones on his team, but some of the skaters on other teams when he's just watching games and he's looking at these kids and he's thinking to himself, these kids are incredible. How do I reach out to, you know, how do I reach out to college coaches? Who can I maybe find? He's, he's always on the ground, always doing everything he can and the league is truly better for his presence in it
1: it's like we were talking about kinsley trevisono former motor city hockey club player now playing with the lake erie bighorns and so many times in the game of junior hockey it's uh he used to be my guy but he's with someone else now right in some of these other leagues but you look at coach mccrimmon we said, hey, we had one of your former guys in our last game broadcast. And he goes, Kinsley, right? He's like, yeah, Lake Erie. He's following along with our schedule, number one. He's following along with what this young man's doing. He said he bumped into him. He was razzing him. And it was the biggest thing he talked about was it was a better situation for the young man. You know, 2020, everything going on. Lake Erie's 30 minutes away from his home. He can be with his family. He can be safe. He can sleep, with his own, sleep in his own bed at night. And he can play the game of hockey. And if you haven't checked out Kinsley, Kinsley Trivisono yet, and you're one of the scouts watching, this kid is an absolute stud. One of the fastest players on the ice, smart with the puck, real good hands on him. He's strong. He was hitting everything that moved for Lake Erie. And he was going coast to coast as a D-man. This guy is Keith Yandel. This is, that's exactly who I compared them to on the broadcast, exactly who I'd compare him to right now. And, and Coach McCrimmon had it a winner, man. He had an incredible athlete, helped develop him and happy to see him move on to a spot that worked out better for him. That's the stuff that makes him a champion. You look at some of the other folks we work with Tina Soralo, the first women, first female head coach to get a victory behind the bench in USPHL history. You talk about Kelly Flanagan as well, working with Bill Flanagan. You talk about the PWPHA and Bill Flanagan, all the work he's doing there, Lucas, creating that partnership where now the ncdc gets to play against the professional women's hockey association squad there and you look at you look at this the pwpha is coming down to the bubble now coming down to the hub so they'll be down at the hub playing against ncdc talent five games against the ncdc and one against your favorite lucas the tampa bay juniors
0: i mean how can you beat that right how can you how can you beat not just the NCDC, not just these premier and elite teams, but now the PWPHA coming down and being a part of that experience. It, it is the, the, so to speak, the money where your mouth is in terms of that hockey is for everyone, right? It's, it's being committed to the initiative at the beginning of the season, because the PWPHA initiative was supposed to be for this season. And then obviously everything happened the way it did with COVID and it, it had to be altered. It had to be moved. There were issues across the board, and now they're coming down to the Hub City to participate in the event, to get games on the ice. It is just adding to, I think, what is already a great moment.
1: 100%. We go to number 11. A guy who's now involved in great decisions like that, Lucas. The new commissioner, Bob turo And we've already had two interviews with Commissioner Turo. He's been on our audio podcast. He's been on our video podcast. He's been an advocate for us. He, he's really, you know, obviously 2020, and nobody knows where they stand, right? We're all on blocks of ice floating through the, the cold waters, like we're getting away from the abominable snowman, and, and we're, we're Hermie the Elf, right? We're, we're all over the place right now. And, and Commissioner Turrell's come in, and he's made some big decisions already. He gets started and underway fully in the position on January 1 as we get towards that Tampa hub but just having the ability to really have conversation, open lines of communication and, and talk to the commissioner. I mean, it's, that's, something I know for us, we love, I mean, for me, myself, I know Lucas, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I get information from coaches and suggestions and questions on an hourly basis. We're getting direct messages from parents, from players, from fans, from all over all the time. And the ability to really have, a commissioner like Bob and, and a commissioner like Richard Gallant and, and two commissioners that really are locked in here and, and care about the player experience and, and have the ability to kind of have an open ear. That's such an, such a great asset for us here with the Dan K show.
0: Yeah. We've, we've really enjoyed all of our work with commissioner Gallant. And now, you know, like, like Dan, you said, the, the conversations with uh, commissioner Turo have just been, Equally as productive, equally as incredible. And we're excited to continue to get to work with the the USPHL and to to work with, with Commissioner Turo on some of the things that, that he's shown excitement about. You know, he's very excited about his opportunity to continue to drive, to continue to succeed, and to continue to grow the league.
1: Yeah. And that's what it's all about. And this is a guy who comes from success in everything he's ever done. I mean, he's King Midas here. What he touches turns to gold. And you're going to get that now at the USPHL. You'll see him continue to do that. We're excited to work with him. Finally, number 12, Lucas. And you talked about it a little in number one, so you don't have to go too crazy into it. But this audio podcast has been my favorite thing we've added in a long time. And with everything else we do, I, I know we sat down, Lucas, at the beginning of quarantine when we thought this thing would be maybe a few weeks and we talked about man we're getting so many questions we're getting so much worry we have so many players out there who don't know what to do don't know the next steps to take don't know if they should be reaching out to coaches don't know what coaches are thinking right now and we said man we need to do something to help these guys out to help these families out to help the league out and and help the all the teams we work with at, at every level and to have the opportunity to create this audio podcast that, that we launched here again, another self-investment, right. With the Dan K show. And it's created a, a line of communication with folks from all walks of the hockey game, all walks of life to really get their message out there, inform the athletes around the country, around the world, and put them in a place to really be taking the next best steps. Whether we're talking to collegiate coaches, I mean, it's just, it's been an awesome opportunity.
0: Yeah, it really has been second to none. The The ability to help, you know, where, where we can, when we can, uh, the ability to give the exposure where and when we can, um, but just being a part of it, right? Just being a, a part of these players' experiences as they move through the league, being a part of, you know, helping to get them to the next level when, like I said, when we can has, has truly been, uh, has truly been a a wonderful experience. And it's something that we're very proud to have worked with, to continue working with um, and keep making it the best it can be.
1: Absolutely. I am in love with this audio podcast. The Dan K show presents junior hockey, go back, watch all these shows, watch through them. At some point on Twitter, I'm going to start putting up my top five most need to watch Dan K show audio podcast here over our little winter break. Lucas and I are going to have a video podcast break for the next two weeks to help tally up all these holiday follow challenge votes that have come in. We've got the updated standings, most up to date as of Christmas Eve here in first place, the Wisconsin Rapids River Kings, followed by the second place Wooster Oilers, the third place Florida Junior Blades the fourth place Columbus Mavericks coming out of nowhere to jump the Richmond generals who sit in fifth, anybody's ball game. The lead right now from one to five is separated by 13 votes, 13 votes between first and fifth. That means less between each of the ones prior. That is incredible. That is insane going all the way down to ninth place. The separation still is only a little over 50, which is an entire roster voting on all three platforms. You'd hit 75 basically and immediately jump yourself in the first. So anybody's ball game, get voting. Literally the easiest way to do so at the underscore NK show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram with hashtag holiday follow challenge. If you just, if your whole roster just logs into all their accounts, follows and votes, boom, there you go. You could jump yourself in the first place. That's how close it is. Lucas with that. It is time to get into the showcase conversation, and that showcase conversation starts with our trip out to Chicago, the USPHL Chicago Showcase. It was a, a weekend of bad bonus. Dick Vitale joined us on the broadcast. On the, oh Dick, you're here, Dick Vitale? It was awesome, baby. It was crazy. I'll tell you what, it was games all over. It was awesome with a capital A. I stopped doing the Dick Vitale after one broadcast because I almost lost my voice because of it, and it was an incredible event. A lot of close games, Lucas. What stood out for you?
0: It was it was all over the place, Dan. I mean, I feel like we we came into the Chicago Showcase. You know, we this was our first opportunity to see the big mix and match of divisions, and it didn't disappoint. Um, but it has also made our lives. Miserable in the sense of how the heck are we supposed to rank anybody in the Premier Division? No, problem. I mean it, you you came out and you saw okay, well, you know we know that the Metro organization is is absolutely top notch, one of a kind, and then a team that we questioned their defense, Pueblo shuts out the Metro Jets. Then you have a team like the Minnesota Moose who struggled just a bit in November, came out and really took it to this top tier Metro team, and then you had these games. incredible games going to overtime you have like wooster oilers and rochester vipers going to overtime uh metro hockey club and decatur going to overtime the cougars and the mavericks going to overtime with the mavericks beating the cougars who have won the midwest east for the last three years in a row just the it's it's parody not with a capital p but parody with a capital p through the ty Every and and make sure that
1: people know how to spell parody. That's the <laughs> correct parody. Good work. That's
0: big. I, I, I do my best. As a, as a tutor and a teacher, <laughs> I got to throw it in there. But it, it's all capital letters, exclamation points out the wazoo. This premier division is some of the best hockey in the entire country.
1: One of the teams I got I to gotta talk about, we got to get them on this podcast when we get into the new year, the Steel, the Steel County Blades, okay, the final score of their four games, 36-6. to six. Wow. Two shutouts, two double-digit scoring outputs. And you know what? They took care of business. They beat the Detroit Fighting Irish, beat the Decatur Blaze, beat the Midwest Blackbirds, and they beat the Motor City Hockey Club. Took care of business, Lucas. They went out there. They went 4-0. and The only other team to do so, the Hudson Havoc, who I think you want to talk about a little bit.
0: The Hudson Havoc are out of their minds right now. The Hudson Havoc are have, don't have a loss in regulation. They're 17-0-1 and for a team that started a little bit later and you know, had to sort of get things underway a little bit later than everyone else. They are making up for lost time and they had some great games this weekend. They are you know, you talk about a team that still hasn't lost in regulation. There, there's not many superlatives that don't apply about the Hudson Havoc. They're firing on all cylinders. They've got the goaltending. They've got the defense. Their offense is, you know, is really well organized. The passing is crisp. The play in the neutral zone, one of my favorite things to watch, how well teams play in the neutral zone, that push and pull between the offensive, the defensive efforts, the organization, how disciplined the line changes are, This Hudson team, I mean, they're going to be tough for any team to play because of how well they're doing.
1: And, and like, you look at this event, you're talking about just the craziness of it. One of the craziest games we covered, probably my favorite one to broadcast, was one-tenth of a second on the gosh darn clock, the Rochester Vipers scored a game-tying goal that I called – told you exactly how it would be scored about 25 seconds earlier and had been harping on the whole game. The defenseman comes in JP crone out of nowhere and jams home a game tire. MJDP eventually wins an OT, but you look at just, I mean, the Metro jets number one had the hardest schedule. I think I've ever seen in a showcase beating the rapid Wisconsin Rapids River Kings, getting shut out by the bulls the next day, then two games in the same day, first against the moose, then against the Northern Colorado Eagles. So they beat the Northern Colorado Eagles and lose to the Moose. The Moose lose to the Northern Colorado Eagles and beat them. The Pueblo Bulls shut out the Metro Jets, but then lose to the Blue Ox. The Blue Ox lose to MJDP, who also lost to the Moose, but beat the Blue Ox. I I mean, it's just my head's going to explode. I can't follow along with all Lucas. I'm bad enough at math. I don't know what this would be considered, maybe logic, but I, I I don't have any clue how to piece this all together. So with that, we have to move to another amazing event. One, we were so sad to miss out on. I mean, we had all our plans to kind of hit both, but unfortunately it wound up not working out for us there. We weren't able to do that. So we, we watched Florida from afar and my Lanta was Florida, an incredible showcase. What a job done by the Florida Junior Blades organization, their social media team doing a lot of work from the Junior Blades accounts. That was the best thing I saw by far out of the weekend was the coverage from the florida junior blade social media accounts
0: yeah they were they were all over the place and getting to work with the florida junior blades uh, on my end of things specifically i worked with the florida junior blade leading up to the event to get them uh some short clips to run during the intermissions on some sd cards and you know getting them a reel so if you were at the showcase you and you saw that tv running those clips That was put together by the Dan K show to to entertain the folks as they're walking in and out of the rink. And that whole team is just, they've got it. You know, you ask them a question, they loop in the people you need to be talking to the whole organization is, is really firing right now, top to bottom, and they're an absolute blast to work with.
1: Yeah. And you look at how this thing kicks off, right? A one goal differential to premiere between the junior hurricanes and the host junior blades, the Eels go out, upset the generals in a premiere and they take over first place in the USPHL Florida division net with a strong hold on it, heading into the break. The juniors go out there and upset the Carolina junior hurricanes to answer back for the Eels upset. The Florida division man was standing up tall at the beginning of this weekend on Friday afternoon.
0: Yeah, there were, there were some great games on Friday and we, we got to see a, a couple of them. Uh, but I mean, Dan, I think, I think some of the really interesting stuff, uh, you know, happened on that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was spread out through all the days, but there were some big movements made as well at the Florida showcase, especially in the elite division with the generals and the rush going four and Oh, over the course of that showcase.
1: Yeah. And we took the generals out of first place and the Richmond generals in the elite yet again, made us look silly. And that's what they love to do. They liked it. You know, sometimes they just kind of, They'll have one bad game, and we act like it's 100 bad games because it's just, you know, they always have the target on their back at that elite level, and they go out there, and they put up the 4-0 and spot. I've been talking up Charlotte all, all year. The Charlotte Rush, Lucas, 8 O in Florida. They own the state of Florida now. They are now officially the governors of Florida. The Charlotte Rush will be able to pass any laws they want in Florida. They can make the official state colors the Russian uniform. And they, can, they, they, basically, they just own the place. I mean, they go in the premier level, 5-1 over the Junior Blades, 3-2 over the Juniors, the Tampa Bay Juniors, 4-2 over the Eels, and 4-1 over the Mad Hatters. Not an easy schedule to navigate. They did it, and they did it defensively. They really were locked down all weekend long.
0: Yeah, it was the same thing in the elite for the rush uh, and they won three to one against the junior blades. They won uh, the, they beat the Tampa Bay juniors six to four. So, you know, you talk about the defense uh, giving up four goals against the offensively dominant juniors, but then scoring six goals against this juniors team, which has such a good defense. Their third game, they beat the Eels their fourth game. They beat the Atlanta, Mad Hatters, a team that we love and a team that's trending in the right direction. And these are close games. They're not winning blowouts. They are battling for positioning battling for these close wins
1: and here's the big question in the elite is it the rush or is it the generals when you look at number one because both teams were able to get by the Tampa Bay juniors and we talked about the biggest thing at the top was going to be figuring out how things went down in Florida for that elite division right because we knew who we really liked and at the time it was the generals and the and the Tampa Bay Juniors, the rush have entered the conversation here. They beat the Junior Blades. They score six on the Juniors, one of the best offenses in the game. They beat the Eels, and they beat the Mad Hatters. I mean, the rush made a big statement at both levels this weekend, but it might be even louder in the elite because that Tampa Bay Juniors team, number one overall, you go out there and you beat them on the first of a double dip day with the Juniors and the Eels in the same day. That's humongous. You go to the Richmond general side, they started off by shutting out the Eels. That's tough to do on any day. They beat the Colonials, a really tough squad we love. They beat the Mad Hatters, and they beat the Blades. The, the generals still don't have that juniors matchup underneath their belts in the elite.
0: Well, you know, as, as philosophers are, as some of the greatest philosophers are prone to saying, Dan, if you want to be the man, you got to beat mm. the man. And the yeah, Charlotte Rush... <laughs> the the charlotte rush they beat the man and we don't want to give anything away for the power rankings episode but that really ranks big
1: yeah i mean and and you look at i mean i'm going back now i'm doing my normal dan k move which is like like biz on on this on spitting just kind of diving into things and trying to be numbers dan right now And you look back throughout the season. I mean, this year started with a four-game series in the elite between the Generals and the Rush. That's a long time ago. Lucas, we talk about it all the time. When stuff happens that early on, it's hard to just pick that as the the end-all, be-all. But the Generals did go 3-1 and against the Rush to open up the season. So that was a big start for them. But answering back, you get to November, and the Rush take game one. The Generals take games two and three. So the Generals have a big-time winning record against this Russ side. So, yes, the Generals didn't play Tampa. The Rush did. Yes, the Rush beat Tampa. The Generals didn't. But you're going to have to watch the power rankings because I can guarantee you Dan Kay has been on the Rush bandwagon all year long. I've just been saying it. I looked at the rosters at the Elite Premier Lucas, and you can vouch for it. I said, I mean, if there was one organization that looked at the beginning of the year, puck drop of game one. Like they could double dip in the elite and premier. It was the Charlotte rush. You look now and this generals elite team is just yet again, really difficult to deal with.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's historically difficult to deal with, you know, and proving once again, that the dips are not extended. They're not an indication, right? The dips that this team takes are, are short. And they are corrected in the opposing direction. And, and I think that's one of the hallmarks of this team is that when they do encounter some difficulties, they spring back, they fire back. And that's why this team is always in the conversation for Nationals.
1: Yeah, and I mean, right now, I think it's time to dig into the stat leaders before we close this thing out and hit the academic corner. Uh, I think that to sum up the showcases, for any league to pull off two showcases in the same weekend in any year is insane. I mean, I, I wouldn't put myself through that type of headache. That's incredible to have to pull off that much coverage for that many teams from that many areas of the country all in one weekend to pull it off safely in 2020 and to do it in two different parts of the country and to keep people close to home while doing it. I mean, what a job. By the USPHL's Florida Showcase and Chicago Showcase, an incredible job by the entire team down there in Florida. We wish we could have been down there with you guys. We had to miss out on it in that way. But watching the work done by the Florida Junior Blades organization, they're getting that thing underway, coverage on it, and doing it in a professional manner on their pages there, social on social media. What a job by them. So such professional coverage by them with the Florida Junior Blades. Now let's go into the premiere and elite stat leaders lucas going into the break what do you think we start with you think we start elite or premier
0: i think we start with elite
1: all right we're gonna go goals assist, and points i don't think we have to go too i, I think that's enough when it comes to the, the point getters right now for those of you guys leading in power play goals things like that i i congratulate you now but top five goal scorers in the elite right now number five Ralph Triboletti from the Jersey Shore Whalers with 14. Number four, Jason Lastra of the Rockets Hockey Club with 14. We've seen him a few times. He is a stud. Lane Brubaker Egner, the rookie from the Islanders Hockey Club, egging on goal scores with 15 goals of his own. Caleb Harrop of the Florida Eels, a name that is synonymous with goal scoring with 17. And way above the top of the standings, Ryan Bahula, not just a dance, but a goal scorer. 24 goals for him. What a year, Lucas. Who stands out most out of those five for you right now?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think one of those has definitely got to be the season that Bahula's has had, uh, you know, really, really great season for Tampa Bay Juniors. I like Triboletti as well. I mean, he's a, a skater that is really making an impact for the Jersey Shore Whalers. Um, but, you know, for a second here, we, we should really talk about the rookie. I think this goes back to what we talked about before, Lane Brubaker Egner. I mean, this is a a guy who's making an impact rookie with the league. Just proves that the young skaters, uh, you know, they're they're out there and they are talented. And the next generation of hockey players is really impressive.
1: Lucas, I have to confirm if this is correct. We're going to have to look into this. We should have done this beforehand, but he's listed in here as a year 2008.
0: Yeah, I just looked into it and that is incorrect. He is an 0-2.
1: I was going to say, I was like, that is unbelievable. This young man <laughs> just got off the bus to fifth grade, and he's got 15 goals for. What a start for the young man.
0: This man oh. takes his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches crustless <laughs> and then scores goals.
1: <laughs> but seriously, congratulations to everybody there in the top five. Top five assist getters, the apple seeds of the year, the Johnnies. This is number five. Anthony Zebley, the fastest man in the world. This is one of the fastest skaters I've seen in the elite for the last forever. This guy is so quick, so speedy, 17 assists for him. Tied in the the fourth spot there is Jack Fleer, who's got a Fleer for the dramatic. He's got 17 assists on the year, none of them coming on the power play. Every single assist, except for one, has been at even strength, one shorthanded assist two game-winning goals for him. Then a guy who I really have in the running for player of the year in the elite, Chase Williams at number three with the Carolina Junior Hurricanes. I think right now, Chase Williams and Ryan Bahula are my two favorites for player of the year. And guess what? Ryan is at number two, 20 assists for him, leading the way his teammate, Adam Custable, at 23 assists. He's an absolute sharer. This guy... When he was in preschool, you never had to worry about him fighting over the blocks. He was sharing with every single student.
0: Yeah, I, these I, I always love seeing these assists. I love that Bahula's up there and assists as well. I agree with Chase Williams, uh, you know, with that assessment of him as as an impact skater. Zebley's had a, such a good season. You know, it's he's the assist guy. He's a right winger who plays for the Eels. He's supporting the teammates out there, getting some goals of his own. A lot of fun to watch.
1: You look at the top five point getters, and it is Carolina, Florida, and Tampa, baby. It is at number five with 29 points in 19 games. Chase Williams, one of those player of the year candidates. His teammate, centerman Ethan Chapman, sneaks in at number four. Chapman has been really undervalued this year. We haven't talked about him enough. 13 goals, 16 assists for him, two power play, six power play assists, two power play goals, three game winners. For him, Chase Williams, his teammate, five game winners. Game winners a plenty down in Carolina. Number three, Caleb Harrop with 29 points as well. It's a three way tie for third between Harrop, Chapman, and Williams. And number two, Adam Custable, the assist machine. And Ryan Bahula leads the way, eight points more than his teammate, Adam Custable, at 44 getting 2.1 points per game. That is the second-highest point per game total in the league behind Jason Lastra of the Rockets Hockey Club at 2.17. He is also 15 points. Oh, man, quick math, Dan K. panicking there. Above Caleb Harb Chapman and Williams, the third-place scorers. What a start to the season for Ryan Bahula.
0: He's out here getting hat tricks. He's out here scoring goals. He's out here winning shootouts. Uh, Bahula is a complete player right now leading the juniors.
1: On the goaltending side, your top five win-getters in the elite right now in net if my computer wants to load it up, Lucas. This is a tough stat to load. At number five with seven wins is Mike Varveras of the Islanders Hockey Club, Arlie Cutler of Charlotte, Ethan Lee of the Tampa Bay Juniors, and Jake Romney of the Junior Bruins. A five-way tie there. Ty Morton of the Hampton Roads Whalers tied in third with Jaden Lee of the Richmond Generals at eight and tied for first Evan Spinella and Jackson Berksa of the Carolina Junior Hurricanes leading the way there. I'll keep going before we discuss the goaltenders because I feel like these names are going to be pretty similar across the board here. We go to shutouts. Four different guys with two shutouts on the year, Jaden Lee of the Richmond Generals, Larkin Dolan of the Charleston Colonials, Ty Morton, who just does it all for the Hampton Roads Whalers, and Jake Romney of the Boston Junior Bruins. We'll go to saves percentage here in just a moment as this one loads up. But Lucas, the net mining of Ty Morton has been so important for the Hampton
0: Roads Whalers. Yeah, Ty Morton is, you know, he's more than the numbers. We've we featured, we featured one of his saves on a top goals video. So that goes to show you the kind of play that he's having this year. We've done it twice. His his goaltending has just been incredible. He's making all kinds of great saves out there. One of the backbones of this Hampton Roads Whalers team, you know, definitely some candidates in here for for goaltender of the year. He's played a lot of minutes, he's stopped a lot of shots, he's he's really doing it all, Dan.
1: Saves percentage-wise, the leader Jake Romney at 937 unrealistic for the Boston Junior Bruins. Mike Varveras of the Islanders Hockey Club at 932. Jackson Verska of the Carolina Junior Hang- Hang- uh, Hurricanes at 926. Not Michael Jordan, although it is the Charlotte, North Carolina area. It could be Michael Jordan related and they could change the name to the Haynes, but that would be odd. I don't think they should do it. 925 for Evan Spinella of the Tampa Bay Juniors and Jaden Lee of the Generals with a 919. The guy I want to point out is not in the top five. I go down to number 10 right now in saves percentage, Lucas. 16 games played for the Potomac Patriots' Jacob Sanders. He has faced 576 shots, more than anybody in the USPHL elite. 9-1-3 saves percentage, 10th overall in saves percentage, even facing the most shots in the league. If you have not checked out Jacob Sanders yet on the ice, you are missing out.
0: Yeah, 110%. He's somebody who you know, like you said, it gets peppered and just the more shots you take, it wears you down and he stands strong and he makes the saves. Go
1: to the premier side, skating side of the ice, top five goal scorers, a lot of goals in this league tied for number five. It's Watson. Brilliant. Kyle Watson, a 21 tied with Cole Krieger, man. This guy's giving out cold cash and he's cashing in goals. Krieger and Watson, two of our favorite players in the world, tied at number five then at number four the sheriff harris blackwood is tied with joseph martancic of the chicago cougars martancic is obviously an absolute stud an ncdc draft pick playing for those cougars with 24 goals harris blackwood tied with him benjamin saint Ange of the pueblo bulls with 25 goals in 31 games and leading the way from the chicago cougars with 35 goals, 10 more than second, in five less games, Kevin Johnston.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you look at you look at these, these top scorers, you look at what they're able to produce. I think the, the coolest thing for me to look at is, is how many of these guys also perform on the power play. These are all skaters who perform on the power play an absolute ridiculous number of game-winning goals, shorthanded goals. I think for me, it's, you know, the play of Joseph Martansic, who continues to be a leader, uh, you know, on that team, on that, uh, on that Cougar squad. But, you know, looking at Blackwood, we were so impressed by Blackwood when we saw him in person. The stand-up skater plays physically, dishes out the hits, and scores like nobody else.
1: Now we go to a guy like, that assists like nobody else when we go to the top five assist getters. Number one, another tie for fifth for Colt Krieger. He's tied for fifth in goals with 21. He's tied for fifth in assists with 27. What a start for Krieger. He's tied, though, with defenseman Alex Davis, who right now, along with Trenton Skaggs and Jordan Steer, the Wisconsin Rapids River Kings, would probably be my three favorites for defenseman of the year. Alex Davis, 27 assists, 13 of them coming on the power play. A top power play unit defenseman who just knows a way to find the right guy in front of the net at number four Brennan McFarlane of the Northern Colorado Eagles. We got a chance to see Brennan. He is a never quit. Never give up right winger who just, ha- just bodies people, man, stays physical. And number 29 is Demid Padrazov of the Florida Eels, and he's been doing it forever, it feels like, with the Florida Eels. He's got 29 assists of his own. Joseph Martancic, you know, when you have a teammate with 35 goals and you got 24, you you're both are going to have a lot of assists. And Martancic with 35, just one behind the leader. Dylan Costello of the Rockets Hockey Club with 36 apples on the year craziest number for him he's got 12 goals on the year seven came on the power play
0: and you know the fact that there's a lot of great scores on this list but let's highlight the defenseman i mean alex davis three goals 27 assists 13 power play assists the guy's a general he's got vision he can see where things are happening he's three steps ahead of the defense at all times and
1: rush he's not a general lucas just to just to make sure you know i know it's a turn of phrase but be careful you know those two organizations (laughs) they tend to be rivals
0: (laughs) yeah right i don't want to i don't want (laughs) to get uh don't want to start getting them mixed up but uh you know he is a quote unquote general out there on the ice (laughs) uh and and i look forward to seeing where the season goes
1: i i do too and we go to the top point getters and yet again in a tie for fifth well no it's a tie for fourth this time actually is cole krieger with 48 points on the year talk about a balanced season for the right winger from the river kings he's tied with dylan costello who needs no abbott and tells no jokes he is a serious hockey player and the sheriff Harris Blackwood, who, when you talk about balanced scoring, it's no nonsense scoring. Harris Blackwood has played 24 games, he has scored 24 goals, he has assisted on 24 goals. (laughs) That is unbelievable. That is not realistic. That seems like it shouldn't be able to happen. But Harris Blackwood is a man of no frills. I go out, I eat a can of beans, and I score hockey goals. And that's what the sheriff. Harris Blackwood is doing on a day-to-day basis. I feel like he's taken over for Joey the Cabsah here Duzak, who still gets called cabs are here with the Toronto
0: Marlies. I, I think one of those nicknames might be slightly better than the other, though. <laughs> we we definitely didn't intend for Joe Duzak's nickname to beat him to the Marlies organization, uh, but you know, Harris Harris Blackwood, I think the sheriff is a great nickname.
1: Yeah, I, I love the nickname, love the way this guy plays. If you've not seen Harris Blackwood play yet and you're a scout out there, get on it. I mean, this is a guy that he needs to be playing Division Three hockey yesterday. I mean, he's so darn good. You go to number three with the Pueblo Bulls, 51 points for Benjamin St. Ange. Big Ben comes up big over and over for Pueblo. And it's all Cougars at the top of the list. Kevin Johnston with 52 points and Joseph Martancic with 59 What a season so far for the Cougars offensively. I mean, you would talk about all we talk about the Tampa Bay Juniors all the time offensively, and Custable and Bahula leading the way. Well, Johnston and Martancic have been just that for them. Let's get into the goalies. We start with wins because goalies, the only position, Lucas, where wins finds its way into the stat category at number five. At number actually three, a big time tie between Kenny Torelli of the Hudson Havoc, William Augustine of the Metro Jets, Riley Tucker of the Eagles of Northern Colorado, Doug Wakeland of the Pueblo Bulls, and Domagaj Troja, as Dan should have just not jumped right into Domagaj's name there with 10 wins for him. In second, a guy we just watched, we call him Fort Louis. It's Louis Pierre Fortier with 11 wins and David Battisti of the Charlotte Rush leads the way with 13.
0: You know, and the one interesting thing about this, this top five is that you're seeing these top winning goaltenders with a goals against average ranging anywhere from sub 1.5 to 3.3. So this is a great little section of stats to prove what I think a lot of coaches and what we talk about as well, that, there is a right fit for each player on the ice. It's not about playing on the best the best quote-unquote team out there. It is about playing for the right team. It is about finding that best mashup, building from the net out, finding a goaltender and building a team around them because these goaltenders are winning games and they're doing it all kinds of different ways. And it's something that you, just, you love to watch and just goes to show you how important it is to really build a cohesive team, not just the best team.
1: Lucas, get ready for this stat. There are 11 players tied for fifth in the USPHL premiere in shutouts. You got all with two shutouts. William Nepvu of the Islanders Hockey Club, Trevor Wong of the Northern Cyclones, Kamaluski of the Hudson Havoc, Blake Sproul of the Pueblo Bulls, Noah Brandau of the Philadelphia Hockey Club, Daniel McCavish of MJDP, Max Macchione of the Junior Bruins, Wyatt Friedlander of the Springfield Pigs, Joseph Weiss, rhymes with ice, of the Elmira Jr. Enforcers, Louis-Pierre Fortier, Orovois, two pucks at the Metro Jets, and Riley Tucker of the Northern Colorado Eagles. Finally, Tyler Dorian of the Columbus Mavericks. That was tough to say. Wow. With three shutouts, Michael Lennart of the Chicago Cougars and Ulrich Roussel of the Northern Colorado Eagles. Finally, Noah Bonvasuto of the Pittsburgh Vengeance, four shutouts of his own, and David Battisti again. Very, very, very good candidate for goaltender of the year, and my choice for goaltender of the first half with the Charlotte Rush.
0: Well, he's he's played a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, also the most minutes played in in the USPHL premiere. You know, the wins are up there, the save percentage is up there. He's just shut down. That's it. I mean, it's a, a absolutely shut down season, having a, a standout season in in every right, and just so much fun. To watch him in that.
1: Absolutely awesome. Finally, we go to the saves percentage. And I have a feeling, Lucas, we both know a guy who's going to be towards the top of that, who we just talked about. But we go to the top five David Battisti at number five with a ridiculous 9.43 saves percentage. Ahead of him from the Islanders Hockey Club, it's William Netfu, the rookie, with a 9.45 saves percentage. Jack Perna, who has been towards the top of the goaltender stats for years. Of the Carolina Junior Hurricanes, a 9.46. Kenny Torelli of the Hudson Havoc, a 9.49 save percentage. And leading the way, the unbelievable Trevor Wong of the Northern Cyclones. He's 7 1 0 on the year. He's got a 1.13 goals against average. He's got two shutouts under his belt and eight of his starts. He's got a 9.52 save percentage. He stops everything.
0: Yeah, I mean these are these are guys who are facing a, a ton of shots in, in a lot of these cases and and Trevor Wong, you know, just out there getting wins for the team. You know, we know the Northern Cyclones are a, a tough team to shoot against because of how many shots that they block and how often they get in the zone. So to have a high save percentage is is really, really good sign for Trevor Wong. And going down the list, Torelli is a phenomenal goaltender. Perna, we've talked about Batisti already up there, and, and Nepfa you know, rookie, right? So you see some rookies on this list as well, especially in the highly competitive premier division. Uh, you know, you you almost think to yourself that you feel bad for some of these shooters out there because <laughs> they have to day in and day out. There's not a safe team. There's not a team that you can go to the premier and be like, oh yeah, it's going to be a field day. Every one of these goaltenders is well suited to their team and having a great season.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the the just to really drive home why I think David Battisti is the number one net minder in the first half of the season for the usphl Premier, and i think he wins my half season award is you know 13 three and one for the net miner from charlotte he faced the 10th most shots in the league 10th most shots of all the net miners in the country faced the 10th most shots had a 1.62 goals against had a 943 saves percentage had five shutouts it's not like he's out here just you know riding easy street, getting blocked shots in front of him and facing 20 a game. He's facing a heck of an amount of shots too and getting the job done for the folks down in Charlotte. What a first half of the year, Lucas. What a, what a crazy 2020. We've navigated it. We've done our best. We've talked through it. The highs, the lows, the fun, the sadness. We've done it all. And Lucas, your academic corner for the final Dan Casho Dan podcast before Christmas.
0: Well, my final piece of academic advice as students head into their, their Christmas breaks is, as I've said before, to relax. But there's one thing that I want to definitely dispel, and it's the notion that, especially for you seniors out there, what's about to come next is not important. That's the story anyway. That's the line you hear from your friends. Oh, you know, colleges don't look at third and fourth semester of high school. They don't really care about that. Like you have to, you know, you're just submitting your first two quarters and and that's it. And I cannot tell you how wrong that is. Not just from a, a purely practical level of colleges will ask you to submit your end of year transcripts and can rescind your acceptance letters based on that because that has happened and that can happen. But it's a mental game, too, because the school year is almost over. You're halfway there. Why would you ruin the first half of the year by not committing to finishing the job in the second half of the year? And that's advice that we can sort of take to all aspects of life. You've done something so well for so long. Why would you risk messing up or even flat out wasting all that time you spent doing something right by essentially getting lazy And doing something wrong now. And that has consequences, not just in school, but in real life as well. So take a break, get some rest, and then batten down the hatches and finish the year strong.
1: Absolutely awesome words from Lucas. And since Lucas never has parting words, Lucas's final words before we end the show for now and get ready for new content, a new year. And a fresh start here in 2021. I know we're excited to announce the Holiday Follow Challenge winner. We're pumped for the Tampa hub. Still trying to figure out exactly what our schedule will look like down there. When we'll be joining everyone down in Tampa. And my parting words: I mean, the holiday season is always about family, right? It's about cherishing the things we love, the people we care about, and being close to to everybody. And and I just. This year's a little different, right? We're all distanced. We're all trying to stay safe. There's a lot of Zoom calls that are replacing family dinners and a lot of folks that can't travel, can't make it to you. And a lot of folks that we lost and in this past year, I, I look back personally, losing two grandparents and an aunt, uh, all who, you know, in the last nine months. And then you look in the hockey world and losing two coaches that I know Lucas and myself were really close with and, and Ryan Fru of the New Hampshire junior Monarchs and Dan Vasquez of the Detroit fighting Irish. And with that, I, I just remind everybody listening, everybody watching, man, really, really cherish the moments you have with the folks you love, really stay close. You, you look at this, it, this world is, it's crazy right now we're staying safe. We're staying healthy. I still remember Ryan Frew. I mean, day one, of the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs joining the USPHL, he reached out. He'd been watching our show, he'd been he'd been kind of brushing up on the USPHL, getting ready to compete, and immediately got my email and emailed me. Hey, how do we get you out here? How do we make this work? How are you here for the home opener? I want you to meet our fans. I want you to do a video on us. I want you to create some content, whatever it takes, whatever you need. We need you guys out here. We want you guys out here. We want you to be a part of it. And." everything that man ever talked about was his players and how important it was for his players to have opportunities and how important it was for every one of his guys to become better men i mean the hockey was secondary the people they became was first and you look at dan vasquez this is somebody i still remember you know going out to cover Jason McCrimmon's Motor City Hockey Club taking on Dan Vasquez's Detroit Fighting Irish back when he was still behind the bench. Outdoor game under the bridge, negative 17 degrees out. Me and Brett Brunito out there. This is Lucas. You had you hadn't even been traveling out yet at this point for some of these random events. And we went out there and Dan and I sat down and talked about old Detroit Tiger Stadium and baseball and his love of baseball for about five hours while enjoying a a beverage made mostly with corn I say would be the proper way to put it and it he was just an amazing guy took us to authentic Mexican restaurants taught us about Detroit we had a chance to go around the city with Jason McCrimmon and see his side of the city and 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 his his favorite places to go and eat and the people he knew around the the city of Detroit doing amazing things for the inner city for the for the youth for the game of hockey and just for people in general and Cherish the people around you, cherish the game, cherish every moment you get a chance to play it. When you're down in the Tampa hub, be safe. This this thing is still real, it is still prevalent, it is still around us, and it is still a reality. We thank you so much for watching. Wish you all of those who we hope you all enjoyed your Hanukkah for those who celebrate, for those celebrating Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas as well. Happy holidays to all of the Dan K Show viewers fans, players, everybody, please reach out www.dancashow.com. Follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the underscore Dan K show. And make sure to go to elite junior profiles, our partners, elitejrprofiles.com. And we thank the USPHL as always for being the largest geographical league in all the land and, and our favorite in our hearts, USPHL.com. To learn out more about them. Thank you for watching. When Dan Kay's on the mic, it's always hockey night.